Well, praise the Lord. Welcome to the broadcast today, Cross Time with Pastor Curtis. I'm Pastor Curtis. We're in the book of Galatians, excited to be studying God's Word. Glad you could tune in and see the broadcast. I pray you'd get your Bible, follow along with us, and there's nothing like learning the Word of God. It's the only way we can grow in the knowledge and the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, God didn't leave us here just to fend for ourselves. He not only gave us His Spirit, but He's given us His Word, and we can count on what He's Said. We can count on his leading us always according to what he said. As long as our faith stays in the cross, then we can count on the Holy Spirit leading us and, and strengthening us and, and causing us to triumph in Christ every single day. And I'm thankful for that. Praise God. Uh, what do we got to say to start out this morning? This is the fifth session. Uh, in our Galatians teaching, it's the 8th of December, 2017. There's our website, thecrosswaychurch.com. Our physical address is 610 Highway 59, Queen City, Texas, 75572. For those of you who support the ministry, uh, thank God for you. And those of you who haven't yet but are praying about it, there's how you can give online or send us a, a, a right through the mail an offering. And we're thankful for those of you who appreciate the teaching of God's Word from this ministry. And I'm excited about this great letter uh, to the churches in Galatia uh, that we read. And you know what? It's very important that we, we come to know what's written in God's Word. You know, God's Word is really God's reach for man. When we uh, were put here on the earth in the Garden of Eden, God gave us a Word. You're free to eat of all the trees in the, in the Garden. Just don't eat off that one over there because in the day you eat of that one, you're going to die. And, uh, I mean, he started with a word, and that word was you're free to eat of all the trees in the garden, but just don't eat off that tree over there. And it's always been by faith that we have to operate, and that faith, Romans 10, 17, says we, we, that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We don't just live by faith in this and faith in that. God has always told us something and given us an opportunity to, to be in fellowship, relationship with him, and, and it's all always going to be according to what he said, and that's the enemy's biggest tactic to come along and say, did God really say? Because if we begin to doubt what God said, then <clears throat> we're not going to be able to live by faith. But I want to say something this morning before we get into this teaching, and that's this. All of God's Word, and especially seen, uh, we can see it as he writes these letters through the Apostle Paul to these churches, it is really the root of of everything about God to man is his love. Everything, the, the, the letters, the letter to the churches in Galatia was a reach of God's love for them as they begin to wane from the only way God will honor, as they begin to wander away from that narrow path that God will operate in. And it was God's love when he set John the Baptist in the wilderness wearing camel hair, eating wild locusts and honey, preaching, you know, repent. That was, that was the love of God reaching out to the people of that day. So when we open the Bible, the first thing we've got to realize is, is it's God's love reaching for us. He's, his, his attempt is to, to grab a hold of our hearts and bring us to him through Christ and what his son did for us at Calvary. And that's the only uh, access we have. See, it's always been, as I earlier stated, by faith. 
that we walk with God, serve God, can love God, can allow God to use us. It's always everything with God and us is by faith on our part. Faith. And that faith works by love. Galatians 5, 6 says faith works by love or it won't work or it's wrong faith. And so therefore, but when we are walking by faith, living in faith, it is according to what God has said, but it's, it's that faith that comes into our hearts. The Bible says in Romans 12, 3, that God has given us a measure of faith. And that faith keeps us from thinking more highly of ourselves than we ought to, but it, but it keeps our thinking in line according with the way God thinks, which is His Word. Amen. So, so I, I'm trying to, I'm, I'm poorly stating it, but my point is this before we begin, is all of God's Word is God's reach through His love to man. And it's all in the context of Christ and what he would do for us at Calvary and the benefits thereof because that is where his love was manifest for us to see. So all of God's word must be seen in that avenue that God loves us so much he sent his word to save us, to heal us, and to deliver us from all destruction. But his word has a name. Jesus is the living word. And we, we can't just take the Bible and begin to do with it what we want to do. We have to take God's word and we have to see it all through the blood shed of Jesus Christ at Calvary or we'll be seeing it in the wrong context and it won't be the Holy Spirit teaching us. So where we, where we left off last week was, I guess, and I think we covered uh, Galatians 1, 6, and 1, and 7, but we didn't really co cover these fully, and I need to say something about this book of Galatians, and also especially this, really the whole book, the whole letter, and that's this. It's God's reach to a people who are off track, headed off track. And as soon as you're born again, it's no time until we just begin to wane. We begin to, the fire begins to dim down because there's so many voices. And I won't get back into that. We talked about that last week. I encourage you to go back and watch the broadcast. But this this. Is this book of Galatians, this letter to these churches is, listen, it's the most misunderstood and, and I guess uh, ignorant state in the church today that Christians don't even know what's written in Galatians. They don't really know what it means if they do know it, what is written there. Because listen, when you begin to read like in verse 6 in chapter 1 here in Galatians where Paul would say, I marvel that you are so soon removed from him that calls you into the grace of Christ and to another gospel. Listen, Christians don't even really When you start t telling somebody that you've removed yourself from the Lord, that's foreign to them. They, well, he'll never leave me. He'll never forsake me is what they think. But they, but they, and that's true. But we can remove ourselves from him, and by that we mean fellowship. When we place our faith in anything other than what saved us, we forfeit that fellowship. We can go on from that point on when we do that, like when I did when we begin to place our faith in the words we speak and, and all these things that you've got to have a man covering you and he's got to have a man covering you, just a pyramid, worldly scheme coming into the church and all these things that are not biblical. When your faith moves from Calvary to that, you can pretend and make believe all you want because that's what you're doing 
and you're out of fellowship with the Lord. You've fallen from grace, no matter if you can still cry, still pray, still study, still go to church and have that form, but the power only comes in the fellowship, and the fellowship only takes place through faith in the cross of Jesus Christ alone. And so the Galatians is a, is a book that really needs to be read and really needs to be studied. It really needs to be looked at because more than uh, two or three places in Galatians do we see that you can remove yourself from the place God functions called grace. You can remove yourself from fellowship with him and go right through the motions like nothing's changed, not even knowing it, deceived, subtly seduced by the enemy, and the, and, and, and then watch uh, the, the divorce happen and, and the kids be rebellious and, and all these financial issues and not knowing why because you're still doing, doing, doing everything that appears to be right except the most important thing to God is that you keep your faith in what his son did for you at Calvary. It, because if you move it, then you're out of fellowship. You're out of fellowship, and I'm telling you, uh, uh, we've been talking some here at Crossway Church about uh, what Jesus taught in Luke about the, the lawyer, the Pharisee, and the, and the publican praying, and Jesus said only one of them went home justified, but let me tell you, both of them went home thinking they were. So it's not about what you think, it's about what God says, it's about the way God thinks. It's not about what we think. We need to bring our thoughts into alignment with God's thoughts, which he's spoken to us in his word. So again, this letter to the Galatian churches is God's reach to make sure you know the way you're going is devastation. The way you're go you've removed yourself from the one that called you into this grace. And I I've been there. I've done that. I've watched ruin take place. And I'm telling you, it's not a place to be. It's the most horrible place to be on the planet, to be saved, but yet not knowing how to live saved, to have been seduced by ministers and the devil really through those ministers uh, to move our faith from the cross. And they don't know they're doing that. 99% of them don't know they're doing that even when they are because they have good intentions. But how many of you know this morning God don't move on good intentions? God moves by our faith in what God has said and that's always Jesus said going to be in the context of him. So... Uh, this removing of oneself from Christ is a forfeiting of fellowship. I want to make sure I get these things down this morning. I don't, I don't, I don't want to uh, miss any of them because we, we, when we remove ourselves from him, it's because we've gone after something that's not faith in the cross. And we might say, oh no, I still got faith in the cross. Oh yes, I, I believe that. But these Judaizers had come along and said, well, you've got to keep the law. You've got to be circumcised. You've got to keep going under the law. And, and I'm going to tell you this morning, anything anybody's telling you you have to do is a mixture. It's a mixture, and God will not allow any mixtures. A mixture of faith in the cross and faith in something else means you've removed yourself from him because there's no such thing as a mixture in the eyes of God. 
Amen. So, I mean, you need to know that. You can't have faith in the cross and faith in the words you speak and the Emmaus walk and all the things man puts out there today. It can't happen. And, and uh, I, I just, you know, the Bible is very clear about that. When we begin to mix, that is a perverting of the gospel. It's, it's a perverting of that. And so I wanted to read this uh, thing that I got from H.A. Ironside, his Romans and Galatians commentary, and it says this, there is something about air when once it grips the minds of people that makes it assume an importance in their minds that the truth itself never had. And you know, just this morning I heard Brother Jimmy Swaggart on the radio saying, it's amazing how error will go around the globe, but, but truth has a hard time tying its own shoe right there where I mean I mean truth truth in the church truth I guess because the enemy works so hard to get us to think that okay you're saved by the cross but now it's time to move on from the cross and that just is not how salvation in Christianity works you need to understand that in the Old Testament and I know some people don't like this but in the Old Testament they had an object of faith and I've seen people on social media over the last couple of years get mad about that phrase you don't have to have an object of faith it's just Jesus okay Jesus is our object of faith but even beyond just Jesus there was an object of faith in the Old Testament God showed up and said the seed of the woman's going to crush the head of the devil he'll bruise his heel and then God showed them how they could see this through the sacrifice only through the sacrifice could they believe in that promise if they refused to play a part in the sacrifice they were telling God I'm not looking for a coming redeemer my faith's not in that Amen. And it's the same in the New Testament. Those who refuse to keep their faith in the cross, they're not looking for a coming Redeemer. They're not looking back to what a Redeemer has done for them. If they, if they refuse to keep their faith in the cross, the sacrifice, they're telling God, I'm not looking for a Redeemer, and I'm not, I'm not looking back at what He did. Now, what's important is today. And God knows that today is important, but listen carefully. The only thing that makes today important and God active in our lives and fellowship with us is what he did 2,000 years ago on the cross in his son Jesus Christ. People need to know that. These saints, and it's just like the church today, it's so easily, so easy for us to be removed from him thinking we're still in fellowship. But these saints in the Galatian churches, they... They were being told that they needed to add. You need to add this. And you listen, the only thing that we can add to is our faith. We can't add to the gospel. Let me, I need to say that again. You can't add to the gospel. Your, the gospel is not to be added to. Your faith can be added to. Now, I know this has not been heard very much, but I'm going to show you in the Word this morning, confirm what I'm telling you. You cannot add to the gospel because the gospel is the good news of Jesus Christ, His finished atoning work on the cross. When He said it's finished, means you can't add to that because it is finished. You can learn to walk in a finished work, to rest there and to trust Him, and the, you cannot add to that. 
And the Judaizers were perverting the gospel by getting folk to add to it. You can't add the Emmaus walk to the gospel to help it work. You, you can't add a golden calf to help God work in your life to, to you know, what he did in Egypt. You, you can't add speaking words. You can't add anything to the gospel. You can only add to the faith that God gave you. And we're going to see that, and that's good. That's, you need to hear that this morning. You need to know that. You cannot add to what God does to bring salvation or to work salvation in your life today. The only thing that can be added to is that measure of faith that he gave you. And we're going to look at that this morning. Going to chase a little trail. What do they call it? Chase a, a rabbit trail this morning. That's good because we're studying the Word. And when you're studying the Scriptures, it's going to take you to other Scriptures because it's not opinions that define the word God's word defines God's word if you're struggling with a scripture on this page then keep turning the page and eventually God on one of those pages is going to define what you didn't understand on this other page over here he will give you the understanding praise God second Peter chapter 1 second Peter let me get over there maybe I want to start a little earlier than the verse I have here. 2 Peter chapter 1. Hope you got your Bibles today. I hope you're following along instead of just listening. You get a whole lot more if you're able to have your Bible there looking at it. He says, let's just back up in verse 1. Why not? Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith. Not some other whacked out faith, like precious faith. With us through the righteousness of God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. That speaks of Calvary, for through the cross, Jesus became our sin-bearing offering that we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, therefore Him becoming our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace, what God's doing in your life, and peace, what God gives you, be multiplied to you. Through the knowledge of God and of Jesus, our Lord, that speaks of the cross, how he became our Lord, according as his divine power has given us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. Here it is again, through the knowledge of him that has called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith. Add to your faith. It's the only thing that can be added to because it's by faith, through faith, that God ushers anything to us, gives us anything, does anything for us, through us, by us, in us. It's all by faith or God is excluded. Do you hear me? We were saved by grace through faith. That means by what God did at Calvary at the cross 2,000 years ago, our faith in what God did there allows him to do in me today, hallelujah, work the benefits of that. That's what God's grace is at 
doing something for me that's good, I need done, I can't do myself, and I don't deserve to have done, but he does it through faith alone. So it says, and beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness charity. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he that lacks these things is blind and cannot see afar off and has forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Now I'm going to say something here and you're either going to have to believe it or you're going to have to go check it out for yourself to prove that you're not believing it is not legitimate. But this word forgotten doesn't mean they've just forgotten and it no longer exists in their mind. They've totally forgotten it and, they don't, it, it, and it, it doesn't even exist anymore. That's not what it means. The, when it says, he that lacks these things, these things aren't working, they aren't abounding. It's because they're blind and they cannot see afar off. That means pointing back to Calvary and has become willingly ignorant that he was purged from his old sin. means he's chosen to forget, chosen to keep his object of faith, the cross. When you look at that word, you go home, you look at it, you look it up, you're going to find out the root word for that word forgotten means to willingly be ignorant. means we move our faith from the cross to these fads that men bring in today. Amen. Somebody's listening to Brother Curtis this morning. You've been listening for a long time. You've been struggling about where you go to church. God's dealing with you. Don't just write that off. He's talking to you this morning. Listen to him. If you listen to him and you go what, do what he's telling you to do, go that direction, you and your whole family will be miraculously blessed miraculously blessed. Things will change radically in your life. But you got to do what God's telling you to do. He won't just do it anyway. Mm, I feel that this morning. So I want to make a point here this morning, and that's this. The Judaizers were coming. They were trying to bring a mixture to pervert the gospel. If you look, if we go back to Galatians and we look in verse 7, we're going to see what they were trying to do. He says that, uh, let me read verse 6 again. I marvel that you are so soon removed from him that calls you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel, which is not another, but there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. See, the devil, he can't deny the gospel. The gospel defeated him. The gospel took the power of death away from the devil. And I need to say something about that the Lord showed me a few days ago. The devil still has power to steal, kill, and to destroy, to devour those who refuse to resist him steadfast in the faith. That means the faith of the cross. That's what defeated him. Listen, the only power he's had taken from him is the power of death. Right. Hebrews 2.14 The power of death was taken from the devil through the death of Jesus. Death 
Listen, the power of death that Satan had is death means separation, so the devil has the power over all those because of sin. They're separated from God. He holds the power of death over all those who are separated in sin from God, but when Jesus died, shed his blood, he made the way of reconciliation, and all who come to Christ can no longer be held by the enemy. Because he lost the power of death, but he still has the power to devour. Oh, I need to say that again. It sounded like a little poem there, didn't it? The devil still has the power to devour all those who do not have their faith in the cross alone. Because if you've removed yourself from Christ, that means fellowship. You're not in fellowship with him. You're the one in Revelations the Bible is about Jesus knocking on the door to get back into fellowship with. Well, I'm going to tell you, if Jesus ain't in there with you, there's somebody you don't want in there with you that is in there with you, and that's the devil. And he's devouring you even if you don't know it. He's devouring you. There's things in your life that you're ashamed of. I'm talking to you this morning. There's things in your life you're ashamed of. You just tuned in. You found this broadcast today. And listen, it's, it's registering in your heart. The Holy Spirit's tugging on you. Your faith has been in this and that. And your mama's been telling you she's caught up in all this false stuff. And listen, the Lord's trying to bring you back to that place, that only place of fellowship, and that's faith in the cross. Amen. There is no mixture. There is no the finished work and my part. My part is to believe in the finished work. Praise God. Hallelujah. So watch this. Which is not another, but there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. So the devil, he, he can't remove the gospel because... It defeated him, and, and, and through the gospel, it's the only thing that can resist him is the faith in the gospel. So what he does, he perverts it in men's hearts and minds, and then he uses those men to try to corrupt the gospel because anybody that's believing in the gospel is walking with the power of God resting on them. Amen. They're operating in fellowship with the Lord. The grace of God is working in their lives. They're experiencing the peace of God. I didn't say everything was perfect, but I still tell you this. The devil can't devour you. The devil can't devour you, and the promise is that if you'll resist him steadfast in the faith, then he will flee from you. Oh, he'll come back, but guess what? By the time he gets back, your faith will be more stronger, and he'll flee quicker next time. But he keeps coming back just to see if you're still going to keep believing. That's why the devil comes back, because he knows, man, if he was able to do this in the church of these churches in Galatia, he's able to do it anywhere. And America is eaten up with false doctrine. America, I'm talking about 99.9% of every pulpit in America. And it's funny how we always think, yeah, 99.9, but I'm in that point one. Me, our church preaches the cross. Our, our church always, our preacher always points to the, the cross through the word of God. Really, it's not true. And most people would, if their hearts had to be honest before God, they would know it. They would admit it. So what they were doing here is they were trying to present another gospel. Paul says, listen, folks, there's no such thing. 
But what is happening is there's those that are troubling you because they're trying to pervert the gospel of Jesus Christ. I used to be one of those preachers. I perverted the gospel because the enemy had ground in me to pervert the gospel in me. When you begin to add to the finished work, if, you, if you're telling folks you've got to be water baptized to really be saved, you're added to a finished work. It's good to be water baptized, need to be water baptized, but it can't save you. And when you teach it as salvation, you're a perverter of the gospel. And you're out of fellowship with the Lord if you are even saved. Because if you believe that's what saves you, then really you, you're not saved yet. But if you did get saved and you come along and you tried to, uh, to add that, then to the, the, the least I could say for you today is that you're under law and out of fellowship with God. If you believe water baptism saves you, you're not saved. If you believe Christ really saves you, but you've got to also add this, I'm going to tell you, that's, very, that's troubling. It, to say the least, I'm going to say it again, you're under law. You're out of fellowship. That means you're, you've become a perverter of the good news of Jesus Christ, where he by himself purged us from our sins. Hebrews 1 and 3, praise God. I'm glad to know that. There is also a great, a great deception. And that's what these Judaizers were, were bringing in. It, 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 false prophets have been in the earth, and they're in the earth today more than ever before. Wickedness in the pulpit, even homosexuals and lesbians in the pulpit. I'm telling you, evil has, has infiltrated the church long ago, and it's all the work of the devil to pervert the gospel. It's a perversion of the gospel. And, and we need to get back on track. We need to repent and say, Lord, I'm sorry. I've been sitting in this place. I've been, I've been looking at this thing all wrong, and I need to put my focus back on Jesus and what he did for me at Calvary. You see, that is the only place you can be in fellowship with the Lord. Amen. I know folks don't like to hear it. I didn't want to hear it, but I'm going to tell you, if you, start, if you listen to this and you try to run from it, God loves you enough to chase you down. God, listen, for the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away, and he does it all to bring those close to him. So when you begin to hear the truth and you reject it, you can mark my words, the Lord's going to start removing things from you. He's going to start removing things from you, and you're not going to like it. At first, you're going to call it the devil. But eventually, if you'll repent, God's going to show you it's really him trying to draw you close. Praise God. Deception is the number one sign of the end times and the closing of this age as we know it. Jesus taught that in Matthew 24, 3 and 4. As he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us, when shall these things be, and what shall be the sign of your coming and of the end of this age? And Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed, no man deceive you. Now he goes on, he lists a whole lot of things that are going to be prevalent at the end of this age, already are prevalent, we are at the end of this age. But the first thing he says, Take heed, let no man deceive you. That's the number one sign of the end of the age. More deception than ever before. People calling evil good and good evil. Preachers, you know that over there in the New Testament, what Paul wrote Timothy, that's talking about the church. 
That's talking about the church calling good evil, evil good, putting homos and lesbians in the pulpit. That's not good. That's evil. And when we call that God, well, God loves us so much, he, he just accepts us all. No, he don't. We're not all the children of God. We're all the children of God in Christ Jesus. That means all those only through faith in the cross alone are the children of God. Nobody else is. He only accepts those who come to him by way of Christ and the sacrifice. Nobody else can get to God. Jesus taught that. So all that other stuff is a perverted gospel that's not a gospel at all. See, it's good news to think that we're all the gods. We think it's good news. But it's not good news to wake up one day and realize that wasn't real good news. That was bad news. See, good news stays good for eternity. If I'm believing something that's not good news, one day it's going to hit me that wasn't good news. You need to know that. Even in this life, if you're believing something's, uh, thinking something that's bad news is good news, it's going to get you. It's going to get you, and God's going to show up. He's going to keep sending people. Might be right there in your hometown. You know, he might keep bringing preachers. He might keep bringing uh, friends and brothers and sisters in Christ, whoever, co-workers, to try to get you back in fellowship with God. Don't keep running from them. Don't keep thinking that they're the dumb ones. They're the ignorant ones. They're the ones in fellowship with God through faith in the cross trying to reach for you. God's reach is for you, my friend. You know what we do? We go to Christmas parade. And we see all the bright lights and the Santas and the elves and all that, and we're all excited. But then here comes this old drabby float by. Jesus loves you. He died for you. And we just kind of hurry up and get that on past here. That you know, we I'm more excited about the the bands and the, uh, all this stuff. And here here comes a uh, oh, that old drabby float. Right? Let me tell you something. Right in the midst of that, what looks drabby is the hand of God reaching for you. Hallelujah. Glory to God. That's just like John the Baptist. He didn't come wearing scarlet and royal purple. He put him in the wilderness wearing camel hair. God does that intentionally because if God's drawing you, it's by his word, through his spirit, but through faith in the cross, not some pretty something. Amen. Mark 13, 22, the Bible says, For false Christs and false prophets shall rise. Rise. More and more, they're going to come up and shall show signs and wonders to seduce, if it were possible, even the elect. Now, I know this is an age-old question. Can the elect be deceived? Hear me clearly. Yes. Who are the elect? Christians. We've been elected by God's grace. We are the elect. The, that, that, that doesn't mean above or by, better than anybody. That means elect. We've been elected through grace by faith into this saving plan of our God. And the elect can be deceived. If they can't, why would God write a letter to the churches? Some of these folks had already gone. I marvel that you are so soon removed. Already, already duped, already seduced, already deceived. The elect, already. But what does God do? He takes Paul and says, I need you to write the churches in Galatia a letter. Paul didn't just think that up on his own. God, this is the scripture. This is God's word. 
This is God's reach to a, to a, 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 a church going the wrong direction. It, it's God's word today to a church going the wrong direction. I'm amazed that every church on every corner in all the world thinks they're white and everybody else is wrong. Hear me today. All this denomination, uh, denominational mess, and I don't care who says they don't like it, it's a bunch of mess. It's a bunch of mess. It ain't nothing but a bunch of clubs that man made together. I don't want to hear it that it used to be right when it started. I, listen, we're not looking back. We're looking at today, hallelujah. I see on social media people liking this and following them and sharing their post, uh, and it's not even the truth of God's word in truth. But then folk like us share God's word in truth. They won't have anything to do with us, but they share their denominational buddies' post. Uh, they don't have anything to do with those sharing God's word in truth but they'll share and get involved all up in their denominational buddies thank God I ain't in one hallelujah thank God I ain't in one and I ain't getting in one hallelujah people ask me all the time well, what, what, what are you in what kind of church y'all I'm like what do you mean I just make them say it what denomination are you I say none oh you're independent you're, you're well they call it none Non-denomination. I say, well, if that's the way you want to put it, well, that's a denomination in and of itself. No, it's not. Can you, did you miss the phrase non-denomination? That's not a denomination. And I don't want to get tied up in all that, but I'm just telling you, you don't need to be looking for the familiarity in a, sign, a name on a sign, saints, what you need to be looking for is somebody presenting God's Word in truth. Whether they're uh, some Indian overseas or whether they're somebody living next door that, that you hadn't never liked, I'm telling you, you need to get away from that mess. I don't care who comes along and says, well, brother, don't knock. I am knocking it. I'm knocking the fire out of it because it's killing people. It's, it, listen, it's making people look for when they drive into town. You know, I, well, I, you know, I, I, I want to I go. We're looking for something certain on a sign. I'm not looking for a preacher preaching the truth. I'm looking for a sign on the side of the road that says this. And when we lose our preacher, I got to have another what's written on the sign kind of preacher. I don't care if he's relating God's word in truth, pointing to the cross. What's more important to us is that he is a part of what's written on our sign. I'm telling you, it's a problem. It's a problem. It's preeminent above the gospel, my friend. You can send me emails. You can write all day long. I won't respond because you know what I believe, and I'm not arguing with you, and you know it's true. It's why I'm making you mad. Hmm. Deception. Remember what deception is? I don't know that I don't know. I remember being deceived about this truth trying to get to me, and, and I'd just stand there, somebody trying to share it to me every morning at work. This guy was trying to share with me God's Word in truth. That means God's Word in relationship to Jesus and what he did at Calvary. And I'd, all, every morning he'd get, share a scripture in that light, and I'd say, well... I loved God's Word. Oh, how I loved God's Word. But I was piecing it together, putting it together for my own intentions, for my own thoughts, and my own what I had going. Instead of the context it's written in, Jesus said, I'm the light. The Word is the light. But the Lamb, Revelation says, is the light. 
So it's all got to be in the context of Jesus as the lamb or it's out of context. And I'd just say every morning I'd say, well, I, you know that sound, you know, I, it, what they were saying was right. I, couldn't, I could not say that's wrong, but I was just in that place where that was not the avenue. I was studying the word. I'd been studying the word for money cometh. I'd been studying the word for ministry needs to be buildeth. I'd been studying the word to, to all these other avenues, but he was sharing the word with me in the way the Holy Spirit offers the word in truth. And I would always say, well, because ju it just wasn't clicking it because I was a Christian, loved the word, loved being in church and ministry, but the truth, God was trying to give me the truth. But I'd been operating in a perversion of the gospel, trying to add to the gospel. You can't add to the gospel. When you do, you pervert it. Mm. See, it's important who you're listening to. And, and notice, he doesn't show up here and begin to ridicule the false prophets. He's talking to the church. See, the problem's with us. We were led astray. There's always false prophets. They, it will always be false prophets. It will be false prophets on the earth when Jesus reigns for a thousand years. There will be false prophets then. They won't like him reigning. When the devil is released after a thousand years for a short season, the Bible says he will draw again as many people to him as there are sand on the seashore. That tells me even in that thousand years of no wars, no weapons, pure grapes bigger than the size of my head, no more peace like we've never known on this earth, there's still going to be false prophets. There's always going to be. And we have to be careful who we're giving ear to because people are going to act like they love you and they might care greatly for you, but they don't really love you with a godly love if they're using God's Word pointing to anything outside of the cross. There your faith has to stay, my friend. And then God's Word can become your light. But if your faith is not in the cross, God's Word can't be your light. Remember, the Lamb is the light. Jesus is the light. God's Word is the light. But all three of those things have to coincide, have to be together. When you remove Christ as the Lamb from the Word, I'm talking about the understanding, the context, you... you You've removed yourself from the place of hearing. Mm. Even under the Old Testament, when Moses would read the law, they would sprinkle blood. The blood we, the, everything dealing with God toward men has to be done through the blood. We need to know that. Never forget it. Yes, that's why we're cross-eyed preachers. That's why we always preach God's Word in the context of Christ and Him crucified because the people of God can't understand it any, way, any other way unless it's some perverted way that's killing them and removing them from the Lord.
And I want to tell this little story I told. I don't know if I told it on the Friday morning broadcast. I told it in church uh, a couple weeks ago. It's about a woman on a train with a little baby somewhere overseas, headed somewhere, and it's a snowstorm, blizzard outside. And she wasn't sure exactly. Uh, she knew where she needed to get off, but she didn't know uh, when that would stop would take place. So she went and asked the conductor, please come and let me know when it's time for me to get off the train because I'm afraid I'll miss my stop. And the conductor wrote it down, said, you can count on me. I'll be there. I will be there when it's time for you to get off. I'll come get you. And so uh, stop after stop kept happening. And she wondered if the, you know, the conductor had forgotten her. So she went back up and said, have you forgot me? Did we miss my stop? And he said, no, ma'am, you, we've not missed your stop. I told you I'm going to come and get you when it's time to get off. You can trust me. I'm the conductor of this train. And so she's sitting back in her booth again. And a gentleman comes along, real nice, well-mannered fella, can tell she's a little worried, a little paranoid about where she's going to get off. Maybe she might miss her stop. And, and, and he asks her, you know, and she tells him, and he says, oh, I, I, don't know where, I know where that's at. I'll be sure and tell you when that stop comes. And so uh, about an hour later, the train stops, and, and, and he, the, the gentleman there with her, nice, mannerly, really caring for the lady, uh, he tells her, this is your stop, ma'am. So she gets her baby, and she gets off the train. The train takes off, and come to find out, just a, a few miles down the road at the next stop, the, the conductor comes back and says, where's the lady that was sitting right there? And, and the gentleman there said, well, she got off at her stop on the last stop. And the conductor said, sir, uh, that, that last stop wasn't her stop. This is her stop. I told her I'd come for her. I told her she'd just wait on me. I, I would come to get her. So he said he rushed back up to the engine and he put it in reverse and he took off back to the last stop but what it turned out to be that wasn't really a place for people to get off that was a place an emergency station train had to always stop there mandatory it stopped there but nobody ever got off there sometimes people hurt or wounded sick would get on there and could go somewhere but she got there there was no one there a blizzard she's outside and that when the train backs up all the way back to that stop they search party went out they found her and her baby dead in the snow and because she listened to someone who thought they know acted like they knew acted like they cared for her and probably did to some degree but was wrong trusted someone else other than the one who said I'll come get you when it's time and that's happening in the church today. Preachers, they sound good. They, they're hospitable. They care. They'll pay your light bill if you have financial problems. And they bless God. They, they look like they love me. If they're not using God's word to preach the gospel, that means the good news of what Christ did at Calvary. No, my friend, we're not beyond that. We're still, hallelujah, living in a place where God's word is all about that. Jesus said when the Holy Ghost comes, he's going to speak truth to you. He's going to reveal truth to you. Well, Jesus is the truth, and what he did at Calvary make, is the only thing that makes the Word of God applicable to our lives. When we remove our faith from the cross to these new, any new fads, there's no such thing as just accepting everything and then spitting out what's bad and keeping the good. That's false doctrine. That's made up by these perverters of the gospel. And you and I are told to turn away from them, move away, let them be accursed, and move on. 
Stay with those who are preaching the gospel so you can stay in fellowship with the one who provided the gospel for us. Praise God. He says, which is not another, but there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. Listen, let's just keep it simple this morning. The troublers of the gospel, the ones that come to trouble, are the ones who are perverting the gospel, adding to the gospel. We don't ever need to forget that. Let me read a couple of my notes here. And one thing I want to remind us, I've already said, is the Holy Spirit through Paul put the blame on the, on the new converts and not the false teachers as they were only the troublers. There's always going to be people troubling. Might be your wife, might be your husband, might be your grandmother, grandfather, son, daughter. Most of the time it's going to be somebody that you respect. You respect their position as a preacher. You respect them as a father, mother, son, or daughter, whatever. I know right now fathers and mothers who are following their sons, and no matter what their son teaches, they'll follow it no matter what. I've had, you know, I've had a man tell me uh, about a year ago, he said, you will, Curtis, you will never be able to preach the cross like you need to preach the cross until you understand what I'm trying to get you to learn. And he was a new age, new grace, revolution, false gospel, perverter of the gospel, perverter of God's way and the way God works today through faith in the cross alone. And, and you know, and all, my last words to that gentleman was, we don't see the word in the same light anymore. See, it's how you see God's word. If you claim you're seeing God's word in light, but that light you're calling light is really darkness, how great is that darkness? Hmm. And it's not their fault, just like it wasn't the devil's fault. Although the devil was behind it, the, the perverters of the gospel are behind it, but you and I have a choice. They can't make us eat off that tree. Hmm. Somebody needs to hear that today. The devil can't make me eat off that tree. I chose to eat off that tree. The devil can't make me follow false preachers. I choose to follow false preachers. The letter wasn't to the false prophets. The letter was to the only ones who, if they would repent and come back to faith and grace, could see what was really going on there. Because you've got to understand, these people that had removed, these Christians that had removed themselves from the Lord and fallen from grace, the only place God works, thought they were still in fellowship with God, even getting closer they were hearing the same old lie the devil gave Eve. Did God really say, you know, God just, he's kept something from you. You can be more like God, but it's not just through the gospel. You got to also do something to get it. See, that's a lie. All you have to do is believe it. We're living in a time that's just like this time, except it's at a greater scale now. A greater level because nine out of every ten pulpits in America, even most of the ones that teach you Christ and the cross for salvation are teaching Christ and something else, the cross and something else to live in victory. 
You go to a Christian bookstore and they'll give you three steps, five steps, ten steps to find the victory over that sin that's easily besetting you, that's destroying your marriage and causing your children not to, you not to know how to raise your children. You go buy a book and it's telling you three things you got to do. If you'll do these three things, and see that's law, you doing something to find the gospel at work in your life, Christ at work, the fellowship, every victory, every experience of victory you and I have will only be found as we fellowship with the Lord. If we're out of fellowship with Him, victory cannot come. You see, it's with Him we freely receive all things that He died to give us. Romans 8.32 tells us that. Hmm. So it's not the false prophets. They'll always be. It's always on us. And that's why you hear preachers saying sometimes, listen, it's not the world's fault the way the world is. It's the church. The church is in charge. Should be. But we've perverted the gospel. And that usher, if the church, listen, if the church is in a perverted place, because we perverted the gospel, what's going to happen to the world that we should be out trying to save? We can't save the, the, the world with a perverted gospel. Amen. I want to say something this morning. As we have about eight minutes left, nine minutes. I want to say something concerning what's going on in our government. Though I, I personally believe, I don't care who don't, I do. I believe that this message of the cross has now been ministered for 20 years it's, I'm talking about in a place not, message, not ministered for salvation, but begin to come back in God slowly but surely bring the message of the cross back in the church that he might work in the church, bring the church back into fellowship with him and, and, and not walk in a place where sin any longer dominates our lives. I believe because first that judgment began to happen in the house of God, then now the judgment is also reaching out through the church into the world and the governments. And that's why there's a massive swamp cleaning in our nation because the judgment of God started in the house of God first. It's powerful. I hope you're not missing that. But if this message of the cross would not have begun to be preached in the church again for sanctification, for, for the power of God, the fellowship to be there, what you're seeing in America would not be happening in the election would have surely went the other way. You can count on that. The message of the cross is what keeps the wars out of this nation. You better know that. The message of the cross is why what's happening in our White House is happening right now. The message of the cross is why God is able to move now again in and through the church. It's what's allowing our prayers now once again in fellowship with Christ to avail much again. Amen. It's not things aren't just happening because it's a it's a destined time. They're happening because this is a time that God would foresee that He would be able to bring His gospel unperverted back into the church, causing a great repentance throughout the land, all over the world. Little churches popping up, leaving these big, beautiful things that we've had our faith in, coming back to that old ugly, bloody sacrifice that has become beautiful in our eyes. Oh, worship the Lord in the beauty of His holiness praise God that we can only see through the Lamb of God slain praise be to God there's not another gospel 
There's not but one gospel, and it's the gospel of Jesus Christ and Him crucified and finished work. Anybody that adds to it is a perverter of the gospel. And he goes on to say in verse 8, But though we, me, Paul, my team, if we show up back again next week, next year, to your town, or an angel from heaven, oh, Joseph Smith needed to read this. Joseph Smith needed to know this. There wouldn't even be a Mormon religion all dying and going to hell if they would have obeyed God's word. See, he claimed an angel from heaven showed up in his life named Moroni, was really an angel full of baloney. Glory to God. Showed up with a lie. All these lies and a whole false religion, a gospel perverted began because Joseph Smith wouldn't stand on God's word and he accepted an angel in into his life. He didn't refute him. He didn't, listen, the only reason the angel showed up in his life is because he was a perverter and a non-believer of the gospel anyway. If he'd have had his faith in the cross alone, if an angel would have showed up, he'd have said, you're false. That's a false way. Jesus is not the brother to Lucifer. I'll never be God over in my own world as they teach. He would have rejected that. Watch this. But though we, Paul, me, if I come back to your town or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let them be accursed. Now, there's folks right down the road here in Texarkana, Texas, said that preacher told me uh, about this church that ripped the whole book of Romans out of their Bible, said Paul didn't quite have the revelation that we have from God today. And I see right here that God gave Paul everything and told him, you tell the church if they add, if they change, if they preach anything other than what I've given you to preach, watch what God tells him. Let him be accursed. What's that mean? That means they're accursed. They're in an accursed place. People who are believing a perverted gospel, which is the cross and, or anything other than the cross for salvation initially and daily power and provision from God, anything we add, we do to get that perverts the gospel. And God says, let them be what they are, accursed. You mean you're telling me God's people can be accursed? Sure. What's accursed mean? It means we're no longer in the place God works. We're fallen from grace. Grace is God at work. Benefiting us, affecting us with the results of Calvary. If our faith is no longer in the cross alone, then we can't have the benefits of the cross. And... The accursed place is the place where God can't function in my life. See, I told you at the beginning, Galatians is a letter. It's a book. We need to study. We need to know. It's not preached. It's not taught like this. And if, even if preachers say it, they just read right through it, and they don't stop and let the people know how important this is, that you know you must stay at the cross. I'm not talking about hanging there or imagining a bloody corpse. Your faith must stay at the cross. You can't see Jesus unless your faith is in the cross. There's two places, Hebrews 2 and 9 and Hebrews 12 and 3, that talk about uh, we see Jesus. 
Both of those, looking unto Jesus. We see Jesus. Both of those verses point to the cross. I'm talking about plainly. Who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, one of them. And the other one is looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. You ain't looking unto Jesus. You ain't seeing Jesus unless your faith remains in what he did there alone. That's the only way we see the Lord today. Ministers lying, saying Jesus showed up in their bedroom with a pan of cookies. That wasn't my Jesus. Better listen. You better run from that accursed man and that accursed message that will hold you in a place where God can't work. I love you enough to tell you the truth. I know it's not a big ministry builder in the natural, but I'm telling you God's building His church through this message and this message alone, the message of the cross which reveals Christ. And the cross is the only thing that reveals our God through the revelation of Jesus Christ that He said to Peter and the boys with Him, I'll build my church on this rock. It wasn't Peter, it was the revelation Peter had of who Jesus was, which is what Jesus came to do. Praise God. I'm excited about studying this book. I'm excited about us coming into the knowledge that there are perverts out there. They're not molesting children. I'm talking about spiritual perverts. I'm talking about those who are trying to tell you, well, that sounds good, but that's, listen, we're beyond the cross. You need to come on into what, man, you ain't, if, they told me before this guy in Texas can said, if you ever come to our church, you won't ever go back to yours. I thought, my goodness, one of us is bad messed up. Lord, I pray it ain't me. <laughs> <laughs> but I got a word to stand on and he didn't. I got a Bible to study. I got the truth to stand on. He don't. He don't. He's got emotions and feelings and I, I just praise God for the truth. For when you know the truth, the truth will make you free and the truth is a man named Jesus and what he did at Calvary. You want to walk in that liberty? You want to stay in that freedom? You'll keep your faith there or you'll be having removed yourself from him that called you. Join us again next week right here where we'll just present the truth. You believe it, you can be free. We'll also point out those that aren't teaching it and those who are harming the church. That needs to be pointed out just like Jesus, John the Baptist, and the writers of the New Testament did. Join us here. We love you. God bless you. We'll see you next week.